Hi, I'm Michelle Brooks. Welcome to Endo Matters. This is a podcast that helps women with endometriosis get in control of their condition, no longer letting it control them. I'll be asking you, the listener, what help you would like and giving you tips on how you can live a better life with endo. After all, endo does matter. I've got Graham, my hubby, with me, um, and we sat down, and it wasn't the best experience. Not once was there a moment when I didn't feel that I was being anything other than held in the safest hands. One of my meditation teachers has taught me for many years that we are not our thoughts. And wow, I, I really needed that. I became the receiver. I allowed everybody around me to give to me. And it was that was hard for me at first. Hello listeners and welcome to this month's episode of Endo Matters. It's really great to be here and today I've got an amazing guest on for you. It's somebody who has been a massive catalyst in my career. Um, We met probably about 12 years ago now and it's really weird how we met is the fact that I was at a job interview at the time. I was going for an interview to be a manager of a small gym. I'd been in retail for such a long time and came out of it and thought that I could just step back into a management position in another sector, which doesn't actually happen. And Yvette was there and actually got the job and subsequently became my boss. And from there, she has been a massive support in helping me to get on my career ladder in becoming a personal trainer. Um, she's also an amazing holistic therapist, a fantastic yoga teacher. I've attended her classes numerous times and absolutely love them. And she is just the all-round health guru. Um, what she doesn't know about the fitness industry isn't worth knowing. And I wanted to invite her on today not to talk about any of that, funnily enough, but sadly, Yvette was diagnosed with breast cancer quite recently and has gone through a whole journey with her single mastectomy. And why I thought Yvette would be amazing to come and talk about this, obviously on this show we talk a lot about endometriosis, which is my specialised subject, but I think it's important for us to also address other issues that women are going through and that we have to face in life. And if um, anybody listening can get anything from Yvette being on the show, then that'll be job well done for me. And the reason Yvette in particular I wanted to talk about this is that she's documented her journey on Instagram. And the way she has documented it is in true Yvette style. And you'll get to know this as we introduce her onto the show because um, she's got such an amazing like aura and amazing energy. And she has documented it in her own way. Um, often I've been laughing with her because obviously what she's said has been really funny. Often I've cried and often I've laughed and cried at the same time because she just has you in that kind of state of mind. So without any further ado, um, hello Yvette and welcome to the show. <laughs> I can live up to that, Michelle. <laughs> everything's true. Everything's true. Oh, well, thank you. What a beautiful introduction. Just gorgeous. Thank you very much. You're very thank welcome. You. And yeah, it's, um, it's been a while, hasn't it, since we met? 
I think the last time I actually physically saw you was when you came to a class. Probably, yeah. yeah. And yeah, that, that was a few years. Pandemic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So oh. it's so lovely to have you on the show. It's, it's a real pleasure for me. It's a real, um, I'm honoured. I'm honoured. Why would you want to talk to me? Oh, you've got such a great story to tell. And I mean, obviously, we could talk about the fitness industry all day because we have that in common. But I just wanted to say, as I say, I wanted to just get you on the show because I think it's important. And just by the way you've documented it on Instagram as well, just to let other women know the journey that you go on with having breast cancer and yeah. you know your up days your, your down days you've you documented all of that and I just wanted the listeners to get a little bit of an insight into that on today's show well no problem so tell us Yvette when were you first diagnosed oh, gosh that was I'm a little bit mixed up with the years still I think <laughs> with pandemics um <clears throat> it was May last year so that's May the 21st okay um I was diagnosed with breast cancer do you know, Michelle, it was a really weird week um, because I'd had a recall on a smear test right. and I'd been um, fast-tracked through to St Mary's in Manchester, amazing hospital, um, and I was worried about it, but in the same, <laughs> sort of almost in the same, well, it was the same week, I got a recall from my mammogram and I put that to one side and I actually didn't worry about it because I was more concerned about this recall from a smear and so I went along to St. Mary's and they did everything they did. And I walked out smiling because they said, oh, there's no problem. You're fine. Off you go, girl. Great. And then I rolled up to this recall from a mammogram, fully expecting, genuinely fully expecting them to say, yeah, we just couldn't get a good picture. Um, and no, that wasn't the case at all. And, it, and in, in that moment, I went from having the mammogram, squishy stuff, which is not very nice, is it, having a mammogram? Mm -hmm. Um, to being rolled into another room where they did an ultrasound to being then calmed down by the amazing staff at the Nightingale Centre when they decided they wanted to do a biopsy. Wow. And it was all, that was in the space of four hours. Mm. And then they were great and they said, go home. And I went home and then it was two weeks later when I went back um, and I got the news. And it wow. was, yeah, I know. Like, oh, so, okay. so there was nothing that actually alerted you to that. It was just the fact that you'd had a mammogram. You'd not felt any lumps or anything like no. that. Nothing. No. I mean, really nothing. There was there was nothing. There was no evidence of anything. Everything was perfectly normal. If I were honest, looking back now, that had been feeling very, very tired. Hmm. But I was putting that down to just tiredness because we've all been working like crazy in the industry, haven't we? Yeah. Um, and supporting a lot of people mm -hmm. and I, so I just thought I was tired in hindsight maybe there was an indication there um but you know from a physical point of view nothing there were no lumps and bumps there was no change in the breast there was nothing yeah um so it was a little bit of a shock to be honest yeah I guess so that, that kind of uh, outlines the importance of having these mammograms doesn't it definitely definitely it does um and because we can we can do all the other checks, can't we? We can look, we can feel. Um, and I've always done that, always mm. done that. And because I have a history of cancer in my family, um, and my grandma in particular had breast cancer. Right. So I've always been alerted to things like that, and I've always been conscious of it. And so there was a, there were, I was shocked. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. I was completely shocked. Absolutely. And that was it. 
May 21. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. That was a so, so what first went through your head when they were like doing all these checks and this, and then it came out that you had breast cancer? What was going through yeah. your head then? During the initial process of mammogram and ultrasound and uh, biopsy, I have to say, I wasn't really thinking anything. Mm. I think, yeah, there was a little bit of me was like, oh gosh, this is going to take much longer because I, I'm going, I'm going to work. <laughs> you know, and, and, yeah, I was, I was just getting on with it. Yeah. Um, but the day when I went back for my results, um, I can remember, I knew. I didn't know up until the moment that I was sat in the Nightingale Centre and the nurse came out to collect me and she was wearing a Macmillan uniform. Right, yeah. And in that moment, I knew that it was going to be a positive result for cancer because I'd been through that process with my mum six yeah. years ago. Um, and yeah, so I knew. So it gave me a little bit of a moment from standing up from my seat to walk into the consultant's office to just gather myself. Mm -hmm. I've got Graham, my hubby, with me. Um, and we sat down and it wasn't, I think this is appropriate for a podcast, Michelle. I hope it is. Um, it wasn't the best experience no. in that moment. Absolutely because the consultant, what I wanted and what I needed was that consultant to go, this is what it is, Yvette. But he didn't. He asked me if I knew why I was there. And, it, and he basically just, it, it, it lasted a while before he got to the point. Mm. And I could feel myself getting a little bit worked up. But the moment he said, this is what we found. You know the film, The Matrix? Yeah. You know when they all go in slow motion? <laughs> yeah. That's what it felt like. Mm -hmm. Everything was happening and I knew everything was happening because I could see them moving, and but they were in slow motion. Mm -hmm. And my mind was just on pause. And my heart sank. And yeah, all of that that you would expect to happen happened. You know, just like, oh. Um, and then I looked at Graham and he just looked perfectly normal. And I thought, oh, okay, that must, it, that must be all right then. And then I looked back at my consultant and, and he, and everything sort of went back to normal and he went, we've got you, you're going to be all right. And he, he lifted his hands up a little bit and like he was going to hold me and I settled. And then I just took time to listen to what he was telling me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what kind of options did they give you in that in that first instance? Yeah, so th they explained to me that I had got an area that was reasonably small, two or three centimetres of DCIS, which is ductal carcinoma in situ. So that means that it has, it stayed within the duct. It mm. hadn't gone anywhere. Yeah. And that because of that, they were 100% convinced that they could just do a, a lumpectomy, just remove that area of the breast and that's what they would like to do but and there's there's always a but isn't there <laughs> and I was like I'm still hanging on to that and the consultant said but there is a second area that we can see that is showing up as calcification which is quite normal in postmenopausal women just natural changes in the breast um that we'd like to do a second biopsy on so okay so then I had few months then of going backwards and forwards to try and get a second biopsy on this site but the second site 
was actually hidden a little bit behind the nipple. So it was really difficult for them mm. to get in there. And they just couldn't. They just couldn't get in there to do a biopsy. So I went back um, and they said, this is what we'll do. And they kept every, I think every step of the way, to be honest, they just kept giving me solutions to what they were going to do. Well, we can't do that. So we're going to do this. And there was never, not once was there a moment when I didn't feel that I was being anything other than held in the safest hands, really, truly. Um, so they decided they'd do a lumpectomy on the first site. And while they were there, they could do a deeper biopsy on the second site. So that's where we went. And that happened in July. That's pretty quick then, isn't it? From May yeah. to July, that's that's pretty yeah. quick. Oh, absolutely. In the midst of a pandemic. Yeah, exactly. So I was really, really lucky. Um, the whole process going in was fine. Came in and out on the same day. The staff were amazing. My Millen nurse, who has sort of become, I feel like she's a friend, you know. She, she's been amazing. Trish, her name is. She's super. Anyway, they're all super. So that was in July, and then I had the two-week wait then. Um, it, it actually was two and a half weeks of waiting to see what the result mm. of that was. That was harder. Yeah. That was harder because I'd already started to recover mm. from this procedure, and I didn't want to go backwards, and that, that was quite difficult. Um, but, yeah, so I went back. And the second diagnosis was that actually... I had a second site of DCIS that had been there quite a long time. Wow. Um, but because of where it was, it was not spotted on previous mm-hmm. mammogram. And that it had, it had come out of the duct and was starting to invade. And therefore, was a tumour. But yeah. A very small tumour, less than a centimetre. Um, but it did, because I am quite small, require me to have a mastectomy. Um, oh, yeah. And so that happened on the 25th of August. Yeah, and I think that's, is that when you started kind of documenting it more after that? Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that was the time. And that sort of arose from speaking to my yoga teacher um, who was supporting me through it. That um, He sort of said, you know what, Yvette, get, send it out there. One of, mm. one of the things that I had struggled with coming away from the cancer for a second was not being what I, I am. Um, mm. And I know that our work should never define us, but you know what it does Michelle you know you know that yeah and I've always been a giver and I'd had to stop work I needed to stop work mentally and emotionally what was going through my head when you started talking about that period of time I thought I bet you were climbing the walls because you wouldn't have been able to work no because I knew I couldn't give I could have sat on a stool in the studio and sort of gone mm. lift your arm move your leg but I can't, I can't give and that and that's just yeah. never going to work for me and I needed the time for me mm. I needed to just take a step back and and give back to myself yeah oh, that, that brings me quite nicely actually to my next question mm. so I know that you like um spiritual and you have like a lot of like self-care processes that you teach so what of what what did you use to help you to get through it um meditation so my practice is generally quite physical so I'm an ashtanga yoga practitioner so that that entails me getting out of my bed really early in the morning I'm rocking myself out on a yoga mat for an hour and a half um and the meditation comes as a part of my practice and I had a complete u-turn so I turned to meditation okay brilliant um which allowed me to settle my mind and bring a calmness to everything that I was feeling. 
um, one of my meditation teachers has taught me for many years that we are not our thoughts. And wow, I, I really needed that. Um, mm. And to remind myself that we're not and that the, the initial thought process that we go through when we're feeling anxious is just the start of then the mind building into other things. And meditation allows me to come back from that and recognize actually what I am doing in my mind. So yeah, my meditation helped me. I was still on my yoga mat every single day through, through both um, recoveries from surgery. Every single day, it just looked different. So yeah. I did my um, physiotherapy exercises on my yoga mat. That gave me the, the ground beneath me that I needed. But to answer that question, perhaps a little bit more that may help others um, is what truly happened. I became the receiver. I allowed everybody around me to give to me. And it was, mm-hmm. that was hard for me at first. Yeah, I was going to say that for you probably would have been the hardest part, wouldn't it? Yeah. So instead of wanting to reach out and solve everybody else's and support yes. everybody else, yeah. I just literally opened my heart and let it all in. And I, I, yeah, I'm welling up now just mm. remembering how that felt and experiencing that. And that's what I did. And that's what it was. And then that's what drove me to put it out there on Insta. Yeah. I'm not an Instagram girl. I just, you know, I've only just a lot of sort of like, yeah, got my head around Facebook. And then I was on Instagram. It was brilliant. Honestly, I was like, every single day that you came, I was like, oh. And you kept saying, oh, I'm waffling on now. Like, no, carry on. I love it. <laughs> Great. And I think, well, I've not learned the etiquette, I don't think, of, in, of Instagram in that, you know, you need to like tone it down a bit. But I just was getting on there and speaking to a friend. Yeah. You know, and, and that came and, across. So talk to the listeners about what it is you actually did on Instagram. <laughs> oh, listeners, you, you, I'm sure Michelle will put a link in there. I, will, I, have, I absolutely will. <laughs> well, basically, I just got on. I just got on my phone every day and spoke to myself. <laughs> that's what it's like, isn't it? Yeah. When you're recording a video. So I tried to track my journey every single day. I shared how I felt. Mm. And I shared everything that had been happening, you know, the, the day before. And a lot of it, I have to say, was quite comical. You know? was. So that that one it. that springs to my mind is when you were going down for your op. <laughs> Talk to the listeners about that because that was epic. So this was on my second operation. This is actually the mastectomy operation. And I, I wasn't nervous at all because I knew that the outcome was going to be great and I was in this these caring hands and you wait in this little room and then I got taken down and I'm there and I'm sat and I'm waiting and then this 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 I don't even know what to call him <laughs> I want to call him a diet coke man arrived <laughs> and he sort of walked in he goes are you with that and I'm like yeah yeah and he said come with me I'm like okay <laughs> and then we got he laid me down on the bed and he was the support for the anaesthetist so he was um, helping the anaesthetist to to make me chill and then put me to sleep and and you know when your mind just runs away and I just just as I was going under I sort of looked at him and I can't even remember what I said to him now but it was something like you know you do know you're gorgeous don't you <laughs> or you and I on the beach in Ibiza or something you know oh my mouth just ran away with me um so yeah um, and that's how I've been on Insta, really, you know, uh, Breast Cancer Life. I wanted it to be 
life because we are living through these things in our lives, whether it's breast cancer or any other form of cancer or endometriosis. We are living through these times in our life when we're poorly. Yeah. Um, but it's not all doom and gloom. No. At all. No. You know, and, and so again, I know I'm I'm quite serious when I talk about endometriosis, but also like to like kind of talk about the the upbeat things as well that we go through and then make it a little bit lighthearted. Yeah. And I think that's what actually does get you through it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There there are serious moments on there. There are moments yeah. you know when I do share, and I say, you know, gosh, what am I going to do, and how's this going to be, and um. But on the whole, and I've tried to bring information to people on that on that blog. Yeah. You know, when I was looking for things, I'd go and search and then I'd share that on the blog. And yeah. then, you know, because one thing I can tell you about this type of treatment is you can only obtain what's available on the NHS through that service. You've got to reach out there a little bit yeah. and find other things that are going to support. Yeah. And again, that brings me nicely to the fact that you've um, you've talked a lot about the, the tablets that you've been on since having the operation and your fear around what they are giving you because like me you're not somebody who likes a lot of chemicals going in the body you you deal with things very um, naturopathically um, holistically so you documented a lot about the hormone treatments that you were on and your fear of them how are you feeling now and and how have you kind of got through that process so you're right Michelle we're very similar on that aren't we you know I'll Mm. always look for a solution in my nutrition you know, yeah. if I'm low on iron, then I'll increase, you know, mm. and yeah. So to be told that I was going to spend five years on hormone therapy was harder for me than the actual operation. Yeah. So I got the all clear. I didn't need chemotherapy. I didn't need radiotherapy. I, I'm so grateful. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky because that mm. isn't the journey for, for some people. Yeah. But because the cancer was estrogen positive that means it can feed on estrogen cells when we go through menopause when we've gone through menopause the ovaries do stop producing estrogen but estrogen is produced in other areas of the body so that has that now means that i need to make sure that i don't have estrogen in my body and so i have been prescribed estrogen blockers so i have two issues there i had two issues there first of all you're asking me to take something that isn't natural yeah so I had an issue with that, and I solved that quite quickly. I bought myself one of these lovely little, you know, the tablet containers. So I got myself one of those lovely little tablet containers, and, and the supplements that I take on a daily basis are now in there. So at this time of year, more with supplemented with vitamin D, etc. All of those vitamins and supplements are in there, and I popped the tablet in there, and I just took it along with my vitamins. So that, that took a little bit of that, perhaps childlike, to do it that way, but it worked for me. So that's yeah. what I did. The second thing that I had an issue with, and I still do, is the fact that oestrogen is, is being taken out of my body because oestrogen does a lot more than build cancer cells. <laughs> um, so I'm really concerned about that. Um, and I was told that I couldn't have any phytoestrogens. Now, you, you, you're talking to a plant-based Easter. What am I going to do without chickpeas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like my life is yeah, just yeah, yeah. Um, I am still in the midst of a learning curve with my nutrition on this. Mm. Um, So I I wouldn't really say too much about the fact that I'm still learning and I'm playing around with that and I'm speaking to people who are qualified um, in nutrition. 
But again, it's like when we're thrown anything in life and you're probably the same as me. It's just an opportunity to learn, isn't it? Absolutely. You want to see my bookshelf? <laughs> Can I imagine? <laughs> yoga, 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 meditation, meditation, pranayama's breath. Now it's cancer, immunity. Oh, gosh, it's expanded. Um, I, I remember when I was um, doing my qualifications and you just kept coming into the gym with all these books. I'm like, bloody hell, more books, more books. I'm sick of seeing books. <laughs> I've got a book on that. I've got a book on that. I'm like, I bet you have. I bet you've got a book on it. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, so, yeah. So, However, so that's one element, isn't it? This blocking yeah. of estrogen in the body. And I do understand why. I understand. Yeah. However, there is... So there are side effects to these hormone tablets. So I started on letrozole. So this is um, post-menopause now because tamoxifen is the one pre-menopause. So post-menopause, um, letrozole is where I started. And within a week, I wasn't sleeping and all my bones were aching mm. and the side effects were horrendous. There you go. There's the word. Just they were not manageable couldn't manage them and I'd started to go think about going back to work and I knew that I wouldn't be able to like work because I was in agony um but there they are again this these beautiful hands of support from the NHS from the Nightingale Centre um who pulled me back in and said okay this isn't working let's have a look mm. um and have kept me very very steady and calm about the fact that they will find a solution for me and I learned a massive lesson at that point that you should never sit back and just accept. Absolutely. You have to reach out yeah. and go, this isn't working. Uh -huh. These are the reasons why, what we're doing next. And so I'm now on a second one, which is I've gone from letrozole to eczemastain. And it took longer this time, but oh boy, those side effects are back. Uh -huh. Those side effects are right back. Spoke to the breast care team again yesterday. And she said, that's all right come on in, I'm going in to see my surgeon anyway um, in February. Um, she said, come off them, just come off them, don't worry about it, we'll talk to you in February when we see you and we'll try something else and we will keep on going until we find something that works for you. So I feel a little less concerned about what I'm doing, still studying, still researching, yeah. still reaching out to people. Um, and again, that'll be great once you've like kind of come to your own solutions. You can then share that, can't you, with with other yeah. women and yeah. help them to find their solutions too. Because not everybody's yeah. going to be the same either, are they? No, gosh, everybody goes on a different path. Mm. Um, and I think do you know that's the same with any medication, isn't it? Really, yeah, the side absolutely. effects that one may experience, somebody else might not. Yeah. Um, so I think it is important to continually revisit. Uh, the medication that you've been prescribed always question why always do the research but know that they can keep on working with you that you're not at the end of no. a journey here mm -hmm. when you're on medication you're there you're, you're being held by those beautiful hands for the rest of your life yeah so about what kind of advice would you give to women that are maybe on the start of this journey um with regards like how they can get through it mentally and physically yeah um surround yourself <laughs> with love and care from people that can support mm. you yeah reach out even if it feels uncomfortable to reach out please do 
step out of that comfort zone yeah know that you need support and go out there and ask for it from your loved ones um <clears throat> from the clinicians but also find people surround yourself with people who have been on we call it a journey is it a journey i guess it is who've been on the path mm-hmm. who've been on the path that can help you yeah that can support you that can give you ideas of where to go who can hold you at times when you feel i can't deal with this mm-hmm. they will be there for you don't do it alone yeah that that's it isn't it don't take this alone reach out because there are yeah. people and I think it's important as well with what you're saying is to find the people that um, might have been through it but are still positive. Because yeah. what I find with endometriosis sufferers is the fact that, yes, we're all going on this together and we all understand each other, but there are some people that, are, that thrive on the negativity of it. Yeah. And I don't think that any of that does you any good. Yes, it's, it's not a nice thing to go through. Breast cancer is horrific, but it's important to try and keep that mindset of like positivity, isn't it? Completely. Um, In all walks of life, you know, if we take away cancer for a moment, if you find yourself out there and you meet somebody who is negative, chances are you're not going to spend that much time with that person, are you? Mm. You know, they're definitely not going to come into your circle of friends and it will just be a stranger that you pass by that you had an interaction with. It's the same. It's the same with a cancer diagnosis, you know. You reach out and you find people that are like-minded. Yeah. Some of the people that I've connected with are amazing ladies that are sharing their journey and giving everybody tips, you know. Those ones that I started to connect with that I didn't gel with, I'm no longer connected to. Yeah. So it's finding the people Mm. that are like-minded, that talk your language. Mm. That's the important thing. Find people that talk your language. Brilliant. And I got a question quite recently off of somebody who's just going um, through this at the moment. And she started to ask me about exercise. Now, I'm by no means an expert in any of this. And I wouldn't like to give out advice because I know nothing about it. So what would your suggestions be for women who maybe haven't gone through the mastectomy yet? Um, but are possibly going to go through it and have already been diagnosed with breast cancer, how would you kind of advise on exercise at that point? Um, Before surgery, it is vital, if you can, to build ranges of movement for the upper body around the shoulders. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I would honestly say, carry on as normal with your exercise routine right up to surgery but pay a little bit more attention on opening up across the chest area moving the shoulder joints and working on strength around that area most definitely post-surgery you will definitely be given a range of physiotherapy exercises that you'll need to complete do them (laughs) (laughs) absolutely do them Even at first when it's a little bit like, oh, that doesn't feel great, get on with it. You know, that's there's the old PT in me, isn't it? Come on, one more rep. (laughs) I remember those days. Don't be be fooled by her meek-mannered, like, lovely little voice here. She's brutal. (laughs) Yeah. Ass to grass and then squats, madam. 
Master class. Um, but, you know, but even as a yoga teacher, there, there, there are times when, you know, we don't want to do some of the things, you know, that we're asked to do in a yoga class. Your physiotherapy exercises are your ticket out. Yeah. They are your ticket back to feeling normal again, to being, um, I want to say pain free, but yeah. And also ensuring that you'll get back to your normal life very, very quickly. I set my physiotherapy exercises in my diary and I used to sit there waiting for the alarm to go off and roll my yoga mat out and do them. So, so do that. You are allowed to go and have a physiotherapy appointment so you can go and see a physio. Please do that and take the advice of a physiotherapist. If they are saying to you, no weight bearing for X amount of weeks, then that means no weight bearing for X Mm. amount of weeks. They know what they're doing. They really do. And, you know, in our local area, we're dead lucky, aren't we? We have the Nightingale Centre. And and the physios there are super. And they've been doing their jobs for a long, long time. And they have an understanding of what's been going on, maybe in the limb system and not just from a surgical point of view. So listen in. But get yourself back to fitness as quickly as you possibly can. You know, get out there if the weather's good and walk. There's nothing wrong with your legs. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, oh, that brings back yeah. memories as well. <laughs> like, there's nothing wrong with you. Get on with it. Come along. Um, you know, uh, but the physio. So pre-surgery, definitely work on strength of the upper body, mm. working on range of movement. And then post, you're working on range of movement anyway. Um, but keep moving. Yeah. Keep moving. Go out and walk yeah. um, and, get, and get back. And <clears> I, <throat> now, I don't know whether this is for everybody, but my physio definitely said to me, Yvette, I want you back where you were within 12 weeks. Great. Wow. Amazing. And I was. I was. Fabulous. I was back to where I was within 12 weeks, full range of movement, um, full into my downward facing dog um now that was for me now that was prescribed for me everybody's very very different yeah of course of course um, but yeah don't stop that's the answer to that brilliant, brilliant. so Yvette we've talked about quite a few things today is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd like listeners to be aware of or something that you know you've experienced that you want to share anything else that I've not touched on today not really um something a couple of things that really work for me that I'd picked up off other people. Whenever I went to see my consultant, I would politely ask if I could record on my phone. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that I did that because there's only so much your brain can take in yeah. and they're going to speak medical words to you. Um, and it's great to be able to replay it afterwards. So record your conversations um, with your breast care team, with your, um, well, with, with your, no matter what type of cancer, um, record those conversations and you can play them back. If there are things that you do not understand, ask. And if it still doesn't make sense, ask again and ask for a translation. <laughs> you know, medical people are medical people, aren't they? Yeah. They all speak in medical terms. Um, and it's okay to ask for that to be put into layman's terms. If you are not happy with your treatment, ask for something different. I have to say, my very first consultant, the man who, when I walked in the room, said, do you know what you're here for? I didn't gel with him. No. I told my breast care team, I, I didn't really like 
that response that isn't how I work um, and they swapped me to a consultant who tells it as it is and that's what I needed yeah everybody's different you know so ask for what you need mm. you wouldn't walk into a car showroom and say oh I really love that mini I'll take it and I wanted it in red but it's white I'll take it anyway no you'd ask for a red one you do the same this is your body this is your health and my last piece of advice don't google <laughs> stay off google <laughs> yeah oh my lord <laughs> stay off google um when you are given a cancer diagnosis, you are given a Macmillan every time. And they will direct you to places that you can go and read, that you can go and do research. You know, in breast cancer, there, there is Breast Cancer Now, Breast Cancer Org, and then there's the Macmillan site as well that covers all cancers. Um, so if you're going to get your computer out, get it out and look at the right place. Don't Google. No Google. Okay. Brilliant advice, Yvette. Thank you so much for that. Take, yeah, definitely go and see Yvette because she's an amazing teacher. Amazing teacher. Um, but yeah, it's been so great to have you on the show and um, I just wish you all the luck on the rest of your journey with this. Um, we're all rooting for you and uh, keep on doing that Instagram because um, not only for breast cancer sufferers, but for the rest of us, it makes our day to hear your jokes, your laughing and just your energy is just amazing. So thanks for that as well. Oh, you're very welcome. So lovely to be here, Michelle. Yep, thank you for coming on. And uh, yes, listeners, I just hope that you take a lot from that, whether yourself are going through this at the moment, whether there's somebody that you know that you can pass this on to, please do share around and make sure that women are aware of um, what you know they, they, they could potentially go through and especially if they've got a diagnosis with breast cancer. But thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in today. And I look forward to seeing you next month on the next episode of Endo Matters. Thanks for listening to Endo Matters. I've been Michelle Brooks from Desired Physique. If you have a question you'd like me to answer, please drop me a message on Facebook or Instagram or email me at info at desiredphysique.co.uk. If you like what you've heard and have found the information useful, please subscribe to the podcast on the platform you are listening to. Also, if you have enjoyed the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Endo Matters is recorded and produced by Strength in Media.